podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. De Bruyne, oh, one mil city! Funnels! And Pogba leaves for McTominay! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, EPL Index proudly brings to you the best prediction podcast in the world, a tad predictable. With your host, Tariwa Chanakira, and his guest, it's Guy Drinkle. It's game week 31, and you know what that means. It's another brand new episode of A Tad Predictable. We've got a Friday game coming up this week as well, so that's really exciting. They've spread the games out far and wide. I've brought in our producer behind the glass, Guy Drinkle, to come in front of the mic this week and guy part of the reason you're here is to redeem the guys on this show because i have breaking news bank it or burn it um as of episode 24 alex Leticia had the highest score of 18 out of 25 jody mckinnis was on last week and out of 25 she got 18 as well we now have a tie at the top of the leaderboard the the ladies are absolutely crushing it. Guy, do you have any comments? Uh, or do you, you know, are you motivated to try and break this tie that's currently at the top of the leaderboard? Right, let me put this this way. In MMA, who is the most must-see person in the UFC? It's not the champions. It's Conor McGregor. <laughs> so here I am. I'm- I would are you like, Conor McGregor? Are I you am Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor. Yeah, I'm Conor McGregor of this. I just don't. Oh, I just don't. It's what the people can't see. <laughs> well, let's see how you get on with that. Uh, they will obviously come on later in the show. But, Guy, there are Premier League fixtures we have to get through before we even get to the Banquet or Burn It segment. How are you feeling about this weekend? The running is starting to become a bit more real. I mean, from general football, in terms of the general Premier League, I quite like watching the football, but being a Liverpool fan this season, I mean, we've we've had an uptick in form. We've obviously had the, the great result against Arsenal, and, and we beat Wolves before the international break in meh performance. Um, but, the, I mean, the Real Madrid result in midweek kind of brought us all back to earth, I think. So, I mean, we've got Villa at the weekend, and, I mean, for people who obviously support lower in the league, clubs will probably just think I'm being an idiot, but the season almost feels like it's, we're like one bad result away from securing Europa League or the Vanarama Europa thing, and considering what most Liverpool fans came into the season expecting... It's kind of going out with a meh, but I, I like it. I like it. I enjoy watching the rest of the league. I mean, the the top four race is probably 
I mean, the relegation zone's still obviously going, but the top four race is the main thing up for grabs at the minute because Fulham keep bottling <laughs> their opportunities. But yeah, I think the top four race is definitely the one to watch for, for most of these weekends, I think. You've mentioned Fulham uh, and, and how they've not taken their opportunities. Well, they kick us off this weekend. And as I said, Friday game, they go up against Wolves. How are you predicting this one? Obviously, you know, as you say, Fulham need to be getting points on the board now. And especially with the teams that they're fighting seem to be pulling off wins left, right and centre. Um, is this starting to become a concern for for, for Fulham? How, how bad is it right now in terms of they just need to get wins on the board? We see Newcastle just ahead of them. They've not won in five games either. Um, is is that the target for them, or are they looking even higher up? Maybe a Brighton or Burnley, uh, or maybe even the guys they're facing on Friday, Wolves. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Wolves. Are, I think they technically are still in the relegation zone, but I think they literally need. I mean, a win would probably confirm it, but I'd probably even say maybe like a draw or even two draws, and they'd be safe as houses. Um, but yeah, I think Fulham. That's probably the only reason they're not dead and buried is that Newcastle, albeit, as you mentioned, they're not one in five, but they have drew four of them games. But at the same time, Fulham have won one in their last five, so they've earned one point less. So would you rather have the win, etc.? I mean, it was against Liverpool at the time where everyone's beating Liverpool, so does that count as a win? Um, but yeah, I mean, considering the poor results, Fulham, they've not lost too much ground on Newcastle. It's just the the opportunities they had. I mean, the, who have they played in the last three losses? Man City, fair enough. Leeds was probably the disappointing one, because if I remember correctly, that was the weekend they could have got out of the relegation zone. And, yeah, for for Leeds, we, we always talk about their London hoodoo, and then to go play Leeds like that, it, it just speaks volumes of... Uh, play Fulham like that, I should say. Um, it just speaks... For the opportunity Fulham had and they didn't take it and then Villa who, whose forms have been very patchy probably since the turn of the year um, getting beat 3-1 I think they were what were they 1-0 up in that game I think they were weren't they and just to lose control of it it was um, disappointing from their point of view but yeah it's uh, I think Fulham should be probably looking up to Burnley because I mean I don't think Burnley will get relegated because Sean Dice is Works wonders there every season. But Brighton, they had them two wins, didn't they? But the problems are still there. I mean, they don't score enough goals, which has been the problem all season. And Newcastle, I think Newcastle, if their injuries and COVID and illness and all that persisted till the end of the season, I think they'd be in, in big bother. But I think Callum Wilson and Alan San Maximum are meant to be back. Maybe not this weekend, but the weekend after. Or the next game, whenever whenever it is, um, I think them two are probably their most important players. So, it for Fulham, I think too many draws when they were when they were playing well and, and not taking opportunities. It's gonna it's gonna see them get relegated ultimately. It will be interesting to see how how do you think they approach this game with Wolves and and the scoreline you're seeing, and obviously maybe touching on Wolves as well. I think this game is completely dependent on what formation Wolves play. Because if they're playing four at the back, we saw in their last game, 
Was it who was their player? Who was the man? West Ham, of course, it was West Ham. And their defence was—I can't remember who the commentator was, but he said he was saying, "Do you literally see that at like under eight football when they were all chasing the ball?" Like it, it, it was scary how amateur, amateurish that that defending was from them. So, if they go back to a three at the back, I'm not sure who's fit for them defensive wise. But even if you have to play a youngster at centre back just to get get the best out of Cody and and, and Sykes, um, j- just do it. Um, you, you really have to like Cody can't play in a back four. I don't think Sykes can either. Um, and playing trying to get Pedents into the team. And I mean, Adama's not exactly been good this season, but you'd rather have Adama than Potenza. I certainly would, just for the fear factor alone. It kind, I think it just kind of takes away from it. So, what if I was Wolves? I'd probably just go back to the three-four-three type thing. Neto Adama, and I just run with Fabio Silva, and I know he's eighteen, nineteen, um, but William Jose is like playing the statue up front at the minute and Fabio Silva, albeit it's only from sub-appearances, he came on against Liverpool and, and made a couple chances uh, had a couple chances as well and then obviously got the goal against West Ham the other night and it's just much more mobile I, I think he probably him and him and, him and Neto probably suit each playing with each other, maybe not Adama so much but I, I, I think Fabio Silva's probably probably just he's just more, I think he's more natural goal scorer albeit he's obviously Probably not ready for the Premier League, but in terms of getting a goal, which Wolves certainly need without Jimenez being there, I'd, I'd just play the youngster. Um, but in terms of the game, I mean, I kind of have to give you two predictions because if Wolves are playing a back three or a back five, I, I think they could win it, and I'll say like 2-1. But if if Wolves are playing four at the back, like the same as they did the other night, I, I'd probably... My only, my only doubt then is, Fulham don't take opportunities. I'd probably go for something like a one-all, if not make Fulham the favourite. So I'll say one-all and two-one. Uh, but I'll say one-all because I probably I think they will play uh, a back four. Interesting one-all for that one. Um, yeah, I, th- I think Wolves, as you say, if they get the win here, that kind of seals it for them in terms of this season. Just trying to get over the season, uh, just get to the end line and then try and forget about the season because there was so much promise and and what could have been. And, and I, I thought they would maybe be pushing to try and get into European football spots. But alas, it's not been a great season for them. Obviously, the injuries haven't been great as well. They lost Shotter as well, which obviously Liverpool fans are quite familiar with him. Mm. Uh, Fulham, they've, they've looked good at times. Um, but as as obviously the prediction, um, as the the form shows, they just can't seem to get the wins on the board. I, I think I think they're coming up against a Wolf side that's not have having the confidence that they'll need for this game away from home. I can see Fulham pulling off a one 0 win, mm. just just being able to get that win, putting a little bit of pressure, obviously, on Newcastle and and the likes above them and maybe even just giving Wolves a little bit of a scare. But as you say, one or two points for Wolves and they should probably be fine. But speaking of teams that, you know, we're speaking of points and needing points, there's certainly a team that doesn't really need many points of late. It's Man City. They come up against Leeds United. Obviously, Man City running away with the league at the moment. 
they're coming up against a lead side who they're kind of up and down this season, currently in 11th place. But off the back of two wins, you mentioned their win against Fulham earlier on. And they also had a 2-1 win against Sheffield United. Probably would have wanted it to be a little bit more comfortable mm-hmm. than than what we saw in that game. Um, how do you see them matching up against this Man City side who, apart from that, obviously, 2-0 Man United loss, have looked unstoppable? Yeah, I mean, the league's pretty much done, so Man City can pretty much turn all their focus to the Dortmund game the week after. Uh, I think, is, is Champions League back next midweek as well? Or is it, is it a week break? I presume it's there. Uh, yeah, it is, because we play after Villa, obviously. Um, yes. Yeah, so Man City may have their attentions on, on the Dortmund game. That was obviously... Um, probably closer than they thought it would have been, considering they, they were at home, I think. Um, so going to Germany, unless it's at the Puskas, where the lucky devils, <laughs> that's our home away from home. Um, yeah, I think, I think, I don't think Man City will slip up, but I think it might be tighter because I think City could maybe tinker a bit, maybe, and this is going to sound really mad, but maybe bring in squad players like uh, Sergio Aguero <laughs> the team. Uh, Gabby Jesus may get a run out or something like that. Uh, I can't remember who started midweek, but maybe, uh, maybe Sterling. Um, uh, De Bruyne might get a break or something like that. Gundogan might get a break. Uh, maybe tinker around at the centre-backs as well to protect Diaz or something like that. But I, regardless of how Man City see this game, I mean, considering the playing the early kickoff on Saturday, um, it's it's enough break to to the Tuesday. Um, so yeah, I think I think they'll be, I think they'll be fine. I don't think they'll overly rotate. And and on Leeds, I mean, their their season's pretty much gone pretty much as as well as they could expect. I I'd think. I mean, when I did my early predictions, considering they only had Bamford to score goals, I I I'd never thought they'd be this comfortable to be honest. I think I even had them in like the relegations zone. But I mean Bamford's taken at the Premier League so well, adding quality like Rafinha. Jack Harrison's done very well as well. Uh, Calvin Phillips has established the talent everyone saw in the championship. I mean it's just defensively they've got to sort out and considering the amount of injuries they've had there consistently through the season, the, to be pretty much comfortably mid table, it, it it's been a special season from them. And if they can build on it I mean, why why can't they get into the maybe just just a smidge off the Europa League zone? But obviously, we have the Vanarama to compete for now. Um, so yeah, our Man City are definitely favourites, and I'm going to pick them to win. I don't think it'll be like a ma- I don't think it'll be like a very comfortable game for Man City. And I'll I'll say I'll say three one City, but. We know Leeds. They can implode or they can be magic. <laughs> it can create anything from like 7-1 to like 4-all, I think. But I'll say 3-1 Man City. That would make an entertaining game, I think. I think the interesting thing for this one, and as you say, obviously Champions League will be on the City players' minds, you'd think, especially in the comfortable position they are in the league. Uh, Sterling had a break midweek, so he could probably go two games in a row mm-hmm. playing this one and also midweek, you'd imagine. Um, Aguero, as you said, also could come into this. I mean, you know, having Aguero coming in as a squad player is just insane in itself. But they've got the depth to be able to rotate. The, the question for me is, 
will they want to exert as much energy in this game? I'm assuming probably not, whereas Leeds are going to force them into that. Mm. Whether or not the game ends with Man City winning, Leeds winning, or it being a draw, I just think Leeds are going to frustrate them in terms of not going away. No matter what City do, Leeds just keep coming, and, and that's they've shown it this season. That's what they do. I'm going to go for a 2-2 draw. Purely because Leeds are just going to be a pest. They're not going to. They're not going to lie down, no matter what City do. No matter how City try and suffocate the game, I can see City trying to control the game with a lot of possession. I just think Leeds are going to have enough energy, and City players might have their heads turned and, and concentrating on other things, and will allow Leeds to get back into this game. Um, yeah, but that should be an interesting one. We follow that game up, guy, with a revenge game. Mm. It's Liverpool versus Aston Villa. Obviously, Aston Villa absolutely destroyed Liverpool earlier on in the season. Can Liverpool get revenge? Mm. I'm not confident. I'm not. I mean, we should be able to. The quality in the squad's there, regardless of the injuries at centre-back. But our home form has been so bad for so long now. I mean, it'd be lovely ahead of the Real Madrid game to get a confidence-boosting win because the performance midweek was god-awful and dispelling the home form thing before the important game. But, I mean, Villa... Well, we, we've seen how it hurt Liverpool now, haven't we? It, it, it's go mega-direct and play into the channels behind the full-backs. And, and now that we have, whatever, 12th-choice centre-back pairing or whatever... Nat Phillips doesn't have the, the physicality to cover. So does that mean you limit Trent or you put a midfielder back there or whatever? Um, Kabak's obviously only 20. He's done very well. Um, Robbo's not in the best form because he's played every second of every game in existence since, like, 1995. Um, so, yeah, I think... I, I'd, like, as I said in the intro bit... Liverpool's season it almost has to be a perfect run, I think, for us to realistically get top four, unless like Chelsea implode after the West Brom game last week. Um, or oh, indeed West Ham will implode as well. Um, so, yeah, I, it wouldn't surprise me if we tinker around a bit, because obviously, as I, you're obviously a Liverpool fan as well today, there's all this debate about whether the 4 3 3 is the way to go. Naby Keita is now a dead player because Klopp rushed him back in against the best midfield in the world for some reason. Um, we haven't seen Oxlade Chamberlain in about two years. James Milner is apparently our most important player because we beat Arsenal with him. Um, Firmino and Mane are terrible at the minute, like, and that's not even hyperbole. They are just awful. Awful. Like, it it's getting me thinking. How do we just play Jotter and Salah? And it, it it'd be tough to do because then we have to put more midfielders in. <laughs> That's not the way to go. Um, but yeah, I think I think Villa. Obviously, they kind of had the blueprint of how to beat Liverpool this season. And just as a Liverpool fan, I'll say Liverpool will win, but a quite a lot will depend on what I see in the team sheet from Liverpool. Like. I think the back four will probably pick itself, albeit I'd like to see either Milner or Simicas at left-back, because Rob will really need a rest. Um, midfield, I mean, I don't think we can rest Fabinho, and we probably can't rest Thiago, obviously he only played half a game. I mean, I'd like to see Naby get another run out. 
and Liverpool fans listening to this might think that's idiotic, but I don't think you can go from playing, I think I think it was Carl Matchett who said he's played 42 minutes in two months and then you put him in against Real Madrid. If we've got one thing left, if we don't get top four to take from this, is we need dancers about the squad. And we know we probably know Mark Mane and Bobby. Well, Bobby's probably more established as the long-standing poor form. We have no idea what the hell, what the heck's going on with Mane. But you've got to answer the questions surrounding players like Naby Keita, Oxley, Chamberlain, um, even people like Simicast. Like, can they really give a, give us an option in the squad when they're unreliably fit and do, we don't know how good they actually are? We need to see more from Kabak and that, obviously, because we need centre backs next season. So I think if we if we if we slip up in the top four race, I think that's the questions we need to answer. Who can be squad players next season? So I'd run I'd run with Kater till the end of the season because Ox has probably had more opportunities recently, but he can obviously come on as a squad player, and that's a lot of whinging about Liverpool. <laughs> uh, but on Aston Villa, each I think. Regardless who who you have on this to do, it's probably always the question: Is Jack Grealish back for this game? <laughs> um, which probably detracts from the rest of the squad, but he is obviously an amazing player for them. Um, fortunately for us, Ross Barkley seemed to have fallen down the pecking order, considering what he did to us earlier in the season. Um, is it Samson or Samson? However you pronounce his name, um, he's he hasn't really settled in quite yet, so the midfield's a bit. Uh, inconsistent for them, I'll say. Um, the front line seems to be again inconsistent. That's probably Aston Villa's since the turn of the year inconsistent. I think the COVID outbreak and their team kind of screwed them a little bit. Um, but great goalkeeper there. Uh, I really like Konza, Cash, Target. Mings is a bit. Mm, I think he's a bit much, much of the dish, if you get what I mean. Um, but they, I think they've got a really good squad, and I think they can build on it in next season. Probably challenge for for the Europe, European positions. Um, I'll say Liverpool one nil, just because I'm a Liverpool fan more than anything. But I, I'm not I'm not confident going into this game. Yeah, um, as a Liverpool fan, I can see why you're not confident, um, and. You know, your score projection obviously shows that. I think Barkley might probably be thrown in there regardless of form just because of what he did last time. If if I'm there, I'll certainly be doing that. The thing for me with Liverpool, the stuff about, for example, the Robertson, that's on you as a club. Like, you brought a left-back in. Whether or not he was good enough, you at the very least had James Milner, who's deputised there many a times, your left back should not be drained at this point in time. You had chances to rotate him. The fact you didn't, I mean, I'm also looking at Wijnaldum as well, the amount of minutes yeah, he's had to play great, this yeah. season. The, the management, I know that the injuries have been there, but you still could have managed things a little bit better in terms of um, sharing the minutes. With this game, I'm purely going to predict another draw because two games in a row now I've predicted draws for Liverpool and they've gone and won. So I'm going to keep that going. I'm going to go with the 1-1 in this game and Liverpool just do your job. We've got an understanding now, so so we'll see how how that goes. Guy, the game after this one, Crystal Palace versus Chelsea. Now, Chelsea were obviously getting the red card this past weekend ended up having a surprise loss to West Brom, mm. who I thought, you know, even though they were 
11 versus 10. I thought the finishing of West Brom was really good and we'll speak about them a little bit later on. But how do you see Chelsea reacting to that result last week? Obviously, they're also another team involved in Champions League football. They also were involved in a close game in Champions League, so might have their heads turned and, and focused elsewhere. Against the Crystal Palace side, who, you know, they're, they're 38 points now. You would probably say they're safe. Is there much motivation for Crystal Palace in this game? I, I, I always worry about Hodgson sides that are close to or have secured safety at this stage of the season. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think it was the end of last season, didn't they go on like a her- historically bad losing streak? I'm not even sure. Yeah. Like even picking up draws. Um, I mean, they're not in too bad form. In the last five, they've only lost one. Um, three draws in that mind, and the win was against West Brom, which barely a win, but the, the uh, Everton result was obviously very good um, it, I think there's quite, I think a lot of this game depends on Chelsea really, I think midweek obviously they had a, a very good win over Porto, I didn't get I didn't watch it because I'm human and I was watching the good game <laughs> um, um, so yeah, I, I didn't really see the Porto game, obviously um, Chilwell scored a brilliant goal I haven't actually seen Mount goal yet, but that was apparently good as well. Um, but a lot of depends on their attack, because it doesn't really... That seems to be the last piece in the puzzle. I know they conceded five to West Brom last week, but I think once they've settled, and I think they played Christiansen, Azpilqueta and Rudiger last night, or on Wednesday night, whenever you're listening to this, um, I think that's probably the way to go. I think Zuma's not too comfortable in a back three and and Thiago Silva, I know he was important for Frank, but I think Christi- uh, uh, Tuchel's best form was probably the back three I mentioned. I think Christiansen played in the centre of the back three. Long term, if you can get him a contract, or even if you're just looking to sell him, I think that's where you want to persevere with, really. I think that's probably the best balance back three, because... I just think it is. Um, and then wing-backs, obviously, we've seen uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi play there, Reese James play there. Uh, left-back seems very sorted. I mean, Chilwell's a better left-back, but Marcus Alonso as a left wing-back is probably their biggest threat, which is says a lot about Marcus Alonso, but probably says more about Chelsea's attack as well. I think if Chelsea's attack's on it, I don't think Crystal Palace can compete with them because barring a sending off and, and another implosion, I can't see where they hurt um, Chelsea, because they're probably going to start Ben Tekej or Nayu. Uh, Mitchie can't even play after his goal last week. Um, so, yeah, I think unless Mateta, Mateta I've not even seen, so I, I, I can't really speak about him. So, I'm not sure about Zaha madness where they hurt Chelsea, because physically they can match someone like Ben Teke. It's just whether Zaha can exposed like let's say an aging Aspel quitter or something like that or or a young wing back at, at the right wing back. Um so yeah I think I think Chelsea'll be favourites. I'll say two nil Chelsea and as you say, as soon as Crystal Palace are safe it's like job done. And there's obviously doubts about Roy Hodgson staying on next season so the players can properly, properly check out because there's not even repercussions going into the next season because there'll be a new bloke in charge. So yeah, it's uh, I'll say two 0 Chelsea. I, I don't think I don't think that'll be the most fun game to watch as well. Yeah, I'm 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 heading towards a similar scoreline myself. And the thing is, before 
this past week with the red card, Chelsea hadn't conceded a goal in five games. So defensively, they're mm-hmm. very, very tough to break down. Um, and I can see it being a bit of a slog for Crystal Palace to try and break them down in this game. I just don't, as you were saying, I, I don't see where the goal will be coming from. I think physically, Chelsea can match them. And then either pace-wise, the Chelsea still have the the, the pace-wise as well if that's needed against Crystal Palace. But I think for Crystal Palace... Then on the other end of things, defensively look a bit shaky and Chelsea are starting to find their groove on an offensive side. I, th- I still think that's the final piece, maybe. Um, once they get that going, they're, they're going to be a really, really formidable team. I'm going to match you here. I'm going to go with the 2-0 Chelsea win. I think they get the win and then move on you know, to, to other things this season. But we, we ourselves will move on to the next game. And these are two teams we've mentioned earlier slightly. Um, but we can go into more detail about them now. Both teams are still in, you could argue, the relegation battle. Um, I'm talking, obviously, of Burnley versus Newcastle. I was just making sure I got the order <laughs> correct. I knew the teams, but I wasn't sure who was playing at home there for a second. But Burnley versus Newcastle. Um, Burnley, obviously, as I said, 33 points currently at the moment, having played 30 games. You then have Brighton below them on 32 points, same amount of games. And then Newcastle in 17th place, currently safe, 29 points, having played 30 games. Now, they've played one less game than Fulham. Fulham have played 31 games. And them and Man City are the only two teams in the league that have played 31 games so far. Does that added extra game in hand help Newcastle breathe a little bit here? Um, obviously, going up against a Burnley side that's also, you know, in the battle itself. How do you see this game going? I mean, I'm I'm I'm, I'm confused because Burnley have looked really good recently. Um, obviously, involved in a in, in a brilliant game against Southampton, where it ends up, you know, they they were leading the game. And then they, they score the two goals. You're thinking, okay, we're, we're going to walk away with this one again. Back-to-back wins. And then they end up losing the game 3-2. Um, yet, I thought they, you know, up until the points where they were conceding the goals, obviously, I thought they played well. And, and they had carried on that form that they had against um, Everton the previous week. They come up against a Newcastle side who have not shown that much going forward for me, or, or certainly not enough but still managed to get two goals against Tottenham, still managed to get a draw out of Tottenham this past week. Are Newcastle just continuing to do just enough? And and will that be the case in this game? Yeah, I think, I think as you say, Burnley are playing quite well. They've almost been enjoyable to watch, which is not something you really label with Burnley. But I think they've, they've kind of settled into something, haven't they? I think Goodmanson's finally been fit enough to have a run of games, which... Is mean you're not having um, McNeil on the right or Brady on the right, which is probably not their natural position. And they've seemed to have settled on finally a partnership up front in, in Vidra and um, and Wood. And I think them two complement each other quite well. Obviously, Barnes has been out pretty much most of the season and, and, and Jay Rodriguez kind of fallen down the pecking order. So I think them two up front kind of... I think they'll be a nuisance for anyone in the league, really. Um... I think Jack Cork's nearly back for them. I think Westwood was out last game. Brownhill's been really good when I've seen him. But yeah, as you mentioned, I mean, conceding three goals to Southampton, I know Southampton have a good attack when everyone's fit, but it was so uh, uncharacteristic because 
they were comfortable in that game and they kind of imploded, um, which you don't really see except against Man City, <laughs> obviously. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd probably go into this thinking Burnley are favourites, obviously, at Turf Moor. Um, Newcastle only draw games, seemingly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think it wouldn't surprise... I'd say Burnley... I'll say, to avoid saying a draw to annoy you today, I'll say Burnley 2-1, but on Newcastle, I mean, maybe quite a lot depends on the two players I mentioned earlier on about um, Sam Maximan and Wilson's fitness. Um, But, I mean, if they're... Joe Ellington obviously played really well, but he only seems to play really well against Spurs every year. (laughs) Well, yeah, it seems to be the way. Just imagine they're in a Spurs kit, it'll be fine. Um... So, yeah, I think a lot depends on them injuries. But outside that, Newcastle, I mean, Dwight Gale and Joe Elton, it works better than what they were trying before, I think, when it was, like, just Joe Elton up front with, like, Ryan Fraser or something like that. So, I think Bruce has kind of realised, yeah, we need... I know Gale's probably... He's probably not a Premier League striker, but he is a goal scorer in inverted, co- in, uh, inverted commas. So, I think he's kind of found something. It's just... Can they keep out that annoying Burnley front too? I don't really think they can. I think at the back, I mean, Lascelles is probably the only mainstay. I think Dummett played there last game, and I haven't seen him play in ages. Um, Hayden's out in midfield. I think he's probably their best midfield. So it, I'll say 2-1, but again, the safest prediction is probably a draw, to be honest. But Burnley, if Burnley get a win, I think they're safe pretty much. Yeah, that would probably seal it for them. Um, in in going along with obviously my predictions, I picked Fulham winning one nil against Wolves. That would then obviously put pressure on Newcastle in this game. Now, obviously, we we know Newcastle have a game in hand. Irrespective, they would now have two games in hand coming into this Burnley game. But just Newcastle staying true to form of just doing enough to stay ahead. I, I think Newcastle get a, a win here. A surprise. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go against you here. You've gone two one to Burnley. I'm gonna go two one to Newcastle, and we'll go head to head on that one. Just because I think Newcastle seem to always do enough um, to 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 keep their head above the water, and also they will be boosted by the boys coming back. I think Wilson and Saint Maximan are going to provide that creativity in the final third that they've been missing, and and obviously the firepower that they bring. Um, should help them out in that game. But Guy, speaking of firepower, it, it's been the ladies that have had all the firepower this season on Bank It or Burn It. As I mentioned, both Alex and Jody currently have 18 out of 25 as the best scores on Bank It or Burn It. How are you feeling about this specific one? There's some interesting games in here. You've picked. You've not picked too many goals, you know. In in the first one, you've got three one Man City scoreline there. I'm seeing a Chelsea two. It'll be interesting to see how these predictions that you've provided here are going to influence your predictions in Bank It or Burn It. But guy, for those that are new to the show, thank you for listening in and and welcome to the show. Or for anyone else that needs a refresher, um, I'm going to put 15 seconds on the clock here. You're going to try and answer all five questions in each of the five rounds before the 15 seconds runs out. I'll read out each question. You'll shout bank it if you think it's going to happen, or you'll shout burn it if you think the scenario won't happen. 
Um, are you ready? Um, we'll run through the questions just so you can at least get familiar with them. Is that cool with you? Yeah. All right. So question A, we've got possession 55-45 to the home team. B, over three offsides. C, under 20 clearances. D, goal from a header. And E, knee slide goal celebration. Now, I've looked at the weather throughout the UK heading into this weekend, and it's a bit mixed. Right. Some places it's looking rainy, um, especially in London. There's almost 80% chance of, of rain on the Saturday, but Friday and Sunday there's rain there. I'm obviously looking at that Fulham Wolves game. We'll see if that impacts your your predictions there. But have, have you got an aggressive strategy, knowing that you know, you've know you got two really top scores to go beat there at 18 out of 25? You just gotta, you gotta go with the flow. As I say, doesn't matter. I'm here for fun. I'm here for Conor the fans. McGregor, you heard it yeah. from Conor McGregor himself. But we'll see how you get on, guys. Got Usman and um, the other one who lost the other week. It's <laughs> I'm the draw. I'm the draw, baby. Okay, we'll see how you get on. Okay. Um, Obviously, the fixtures that we'll be speaking about are the ones we've just predicted. So Fulham versus Wolves, Man City versus Leeds, Liverpool versus Aston Villa, Crystal Palace versus Chelsea, Burnley versus Newcastle. Guy, for the first game, Fulham versus Wolves, your time starts now. Position 55-45 to the home team. Burn it. Over three offsides. Under 20 clearances. Burn it. Goal from a header. Bank it. Knee slide goal celebration. Bank it. Fabio oh. Silva. Oh, with the shot as well. Fabio, I'm going to note that because that could be very, very interesting. Um, obviously, you're rooting for Fabio Silva to start this game and, and, yes. and we'll see if if they'll listen to you on that one. Guy, we'll move swiftly on to Man City versus Leeds United. Now, that game, you've predicted a 3-1 Man City win. Let's see if that influences how you predict here. Your time starts now. Possession 55-45 to the home team. Over three offsides. Bank it. Under 20 clearances. Burn it. Goal from a header. Burn it. Knee slide goal celebration. Wow. What was that? Four burns and one bank. Mm. Interesting, interesting. Okay. Making sure we got all of those. Okay, we'll move on to your team, Liverpool Ugh. versus Aston Villa in the revenge game. <laughs> you predicted a one Liverpool squeaky win. Let's let's see how that affects your scores here. Your time starts now. Possession 55-45 to the Bank home it. team. Over three offsides. Burn it. Under 20 clearances. Burn it. Goal from a header. Bank it. Knee slide goal celebration. Who are you predicting scoring that Liverpool goal then? Just a repeat of the Jota goal. <laughs> ah, okay. Interesting, interesting. Okay, second last. We've got Crystal Palace versus Chelsea. Your time starts now. Possession 55-45 to the home team. Over three offsides. Burn it. Under 20 clearances. Burn it. Goal from a header. Burn it. Knee slide goal celebration. Burn it. Oh, brilliant. Just slide it up. Just slide it up for that fixture. Um, okay, we end Bank It or Burn It segment with Burnley versus Newcastle. 
your time starts now. Possession 55-45 to the home Burn team. it. Over three offsides. Bank it. Under 20 clearances. Burn it. Goal from a header. Bank it. Knee slide goal celebration. Oh, go on then, Vidra. Bank it. Nice. That, that That's a pretty good board you've got there. Very interesting hmm. sound. you got the Fabio Silva one. You've got the... Vidra shout as well. We'll see how you get on with that one. But Guy, we move on in the fixture list. Obviously, now we move on to West Ham versus Leicester City. Now, one of these teams we probably expected to be high up in the table um, by this time of the season. Maybe not as high as they are now. Some people would have had them there. They usually do pretty well uh, from that perspective. Leicester City find themselves in third place. But West Ham currently find themselves in that coveted fourth place spot how do you see this game going now as a liverpool fan what are you rooting for in this game out of curiosity and then also just break how you think this game is gonna do, is gonna go that is a good question who am i rooting for let me get the table um hmm. i'd probably say a leicester win to be honest, I don't think we'll be able to catch Leicester, so I'd say a Leicester win from a Liverpool perspective. Um, and that's probably what I'd favour. I think West Ham, if everyone was fit, I'd probably back them to at least get a draw of it. But Antonio obviously came off the other night. Rice is out for, uh, I think he's out for most the rest of the season. Um, or if not, certainly most of the season. Um... Even Suchek, I think he got a really gashed ankle off a off a badish tackle as well. So he he probably play, but it, it won't be won't be pleasant for him. So I mean, quite a lot depends. As I said with Grealish earlier on, didn't there? Um, a lot depends on Antonio's fitness because then you they tend to put Bowen up front. Who I know he he scored the other night, but he's not overly impressive when I've seen him. But uh, as weird and as unexpected as this sentence will be. The way Jesse Lingard is playing, they can beat anyone in the league. It's <laughs> <laughs> just weird. Uh, I think I think with them being able to go to a back three again, um, because Masuaku's back, you have Creswell um, and Dawson and Diop at the minute. That seems, I, I quite like that as a unit. Kufal is just, just, just there. <laughs> He's just steady. He's just pretty much excellent every game. Uh, Masuaku is. Such a weird threat. So I quite like that as a as a unit, uh, as a back unit. And then Suchek and uh, and um, Noble presumably in midfield. That's probably the main issue because obviously Suchek's been fantastic, but Rice is really the mobile one in there. You'd probably say he does a lot of the sweeping up, and I don't think Noble has legs for that. And when he's up against people like Telemans, Madison might be back. I yeah. Think. So yeah. So that's a lot. That's probably a lot to deal with in that midfield. So I'd probably say Leicester favourites for that. So if if Rice was fit, it'd be, I think that'd be an excellent battle. But in terms of Leicester, the only doubt is for them. I put any Anacho in my team, in my fantasy team. <laughs> and the curse of the guy Drinkle. Yeah, but I put Lingard in as well. Nil nil. Oh. <laughs> nil nil. No goals. But no, I'll I'll say Leicester. Again, West Ham games are seemingly mental at the minute. I'll go 3-2 Leicester. And Vardy will wow. start scoring because I've got him nowhere near my team. That would be an absolutely phenomenal game. Um, 
it's definitely a game I'm going to have my eyes glued on. I, I, I think it's, you know, you mentioned earlier some of the games might be a struggle to get through and watch. I don't think we're going to have that issue in this one, and I hope I haven't commentator cursed it already. But, Guy, there's only one solution, an easy solution, to make sure that you do catch this game and catch all of the games this coming weekend. And that's one of our presenting sponsors, Liberty Shield. Obviously, Liberty Shield are our presenting sponsor in association with EPL Index, um, eplindex.com. Get yourself a VPN provider through Liberty Shield. They help you sort out all of your internet and entertainment viewing pleasures. You can catch, you know, anything that you want to watch. They will be able to sort you out in terms of making sure that you can get it, especially all things Premier League football. If you're in the UK with the vast amount of providers that are offering these games I just don't see why you would be paying all of those subscriptions when you can just pay for one subscription, a lot better value for money from that perspective. And if you think that's not, you know, good enough for you, I've gone out and made sure we could get you a coupon code. So if you go and you order your VPN through Liberty Shield and you use the coupon code EPLVPN, that's EPLVPN, you can save yourself 20%. So not only am I hooking you up with Liberty Shield, I'm hooking you up with a, a, a coupon code as well now so that that should help you guys make that decision a lot easier. Guy Drinkle, West Ham versus Leicester City, my scoreline prediction for this one, going with the heart as a Liverpool fan, is West Ham 1 Leicester too. I agree with you that I don't think that Liverpool are going to catch Leicester. I actually think that top three pretty nailed on to to yeah. keep that top three and then everyone else is kind of fighting for fourth. With the injuries and having to change things a little bit for West Ham, I think there might be a little bit of disruption there, whereas Leicester kind of, you know, with the Ian Nacho form that he's brought on of late, I, th I think he continues that in this game and, and they just continue to play really well you know obviously they had that scare when Barnes went down and, and you're wondering is that going to impact their season it hasn't really impacted their season and the loss that they suffered you know it's against Man City I, I think most teams and we've seen that most teams will lose to that Man City side so I don't think that's going to knock the confidence of Leicester City in this one I think they just get back up dust themselves off, get a 2-1 win against West Ham and, and and they continue their surge up the table, maybe trying to get ahead of Man United and get that second spot. Maybe, maybe. We'll see how they do. But speaking of Man United, they've got the small minor game of Tottenham versus Man United, guy. This is an exciting game. This is a game that I'm sure majority of fans of any football club in the UK will be watching just because of, you know, the magnitude of this game. Man United obviously want to maintain that second spot. And I'm not, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the commentators try and, you know, continue to say, oh, this could be the game that derails Man United's push to try and, you know, topple Man City, even though I, I, I don't think they stand much of a chance to, <laughs> to, to to overtake them. But you, you know what it is. They, they have to pay the bills themselves. And I think they're trying to create a narrative here of Man United could catch them ju just to keep the spice going. But anyway, Man United won't worry too much about that, I don't think. They'll just be focusing on securing that second spot and 
going into next season with obviously a very, very confident squad and, and try and improve on it. They come up against the Tottenham side that is under quite a bit of pressure at the moment, Guy. They had the win against Newcastle in the bag and they blew it. Ended up drawing 2-2. Jose Mourinho is under pressure. They obviously got knocked out of Europe very, very recently. Guy, what is going on at Tottenham? How do you see them going up against Man United side? Interestingly for me, both these sides in big games tend to sit back and play on the counter. Is there one that's going to be forced to have the ball more than they want in this game? Well, we would have said that last time these played and didn't Spurs win 6-1. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think United have obviously settled quite a bit. I don't think they've improved. Well, they have improved massively from a 6-1 defeat, obviously, but I don't think the defence has improved like tenfold or anything like that. But they've really settled. I think Luke Shaw's been excellent this season. One Basaka's one Basaka. He's very good 1v1, not much else. Um... And Lindelof and Maguire, it's probably not good enough to get anywhere near winning the league, but in terms of top four, it's probably just about there. Um, But Spurs, I mean, there's only one person worth talking about, and that's Harry Kane, really. And I, I say that I really like Regulon, I really like Ndombele, Son's obviously back, he was on the bench last time I think he came on. But it is just a Harry Kane shoulder. It just really is. Um. He can win this game on his own. He can well. He can lose it for Tottenham if he if he if he has one of them games where he does nothing. Um, but I think the way, as you say, the way these two teams usually approach big games, I kind of think it'll be a bit boring. And I think Oli might be a bit cautious, like even more cautious. And we know how cautious he is in in the big games. Considering the fact they did lose in Barcelona to to Spurs earlier in the season, so I mean I'll say my prediction early one all, but I think these both have the tools to hurt each other because I think Kane should really take the mick out of Lindelof and Maguire. Um, maybe you have to play Son quite narrow to avoid just Wan-Bissaka getting in his way, and then that I think that's when Wan-Bissaka becomes poor, is when the one v one isn't there. Um, but in terms of United hurting Spurs, I mean, they've obviously, I think they've got a bit of injury issues as well. I think Regulon was rushed back the last game. Um, the centre-back's been an issue since Vertonghen and Toby got old. Um, and Vertonghen's obviously not there anymore. Right-back's terrible, like, regardless, Ori and Doherty aren't very good. But, sad, and I think Tanganga's been playing there as well. He's probably more of a centre back, so I think, I, I, from on paper, I see goals in this game, but knowing who the two managers are, I, I think it'll be quite boring. <laughs> and who's who? I guess it's Sky who's got it, but I do apologise, Sky. But I think this will be like one all. I, I think this will be. Who was it? Was it Chelsea Tottenham the other week where it was just horrendously boring? <laughs> yeah. Oh no, maybe Chelsea Man United. It was just horrid. I kind of see another one of them, cause. Man United, again, like, what are they on? To confirm top four in eight remaining games, what do they need? Probably 12 points. If they want to get second, probably a bit more than that, but they don't really need that much more to, like, confirm top four. Like, 15 points and you're, like, 100% in there. So, it's... 
it's not really, and obviously they've got Europa League tonight, so a lot could depend on how that goes for them. Um, <clears throat> and they might want to rotate for that a bit, depending on the scoreline, but Sat Sunday or Thursday is not too bad. Um, I will say one all, but depending how mental the game goes in the early state, it could be anything. But I'll I'll stick with the boring at the min. One all, no, that that makes sense. And as you say, both managers like to play cautious in the big games. I think that you know Spurs are going to have an issue on that right-hand side. And I can see United hoping and trying to exploit that side of the pitch a lot in this game. Um, somehow, I think United are going to allow Spurs to have even more possession than you know Spurs are comfortable with, especially with Spurs being the home team. And gradually, they're going to accept that possession of the ball. And I think that plays into United's hands. I think United go and win this 2-1 and, and both their goals come on the counter-attack purely because... It's a battle of who doesn't have the ball the most in this game. And I think Man yeah. United are going to win that out. I won't be surprised if he, you know, brings in the big game pairing of Fred and McTominay in midfield and then just lets Bruno Fernandes, you know, get the ball as quickly as possible and try and play through balls or ping it long to Rashford bursting, you know, up front. I wouldn't be surprised if Daniel James is also involved in this game. And you know, you've still got the pace of like a Mason Greenwood and stuff. I, I just mm. think they're going to fancy their chances on the counter-attack in this game and they're going to get some goals. We've seen Spurs have been very leaky at the back. They're not that confident, which is, you know, it must be frustrating Mourinho considering what he's done before with defences. But yeah, I can see Man United 2-1 win and that just continues to heap pressure on on, on Spurs in this one and, and we'll see how they recover the following week. But Guy, we've got a few more games left. We've got Sheffield United versus Arsenal. Obviously, Arsenal hoping to recover from that defeat to Liverpool um, this past week. And Sheffield United, you know, they, they, they held on against Sheffield United. You could, I mean, against Leeds United, you mm-hmm. could say. Obviously, just a 2-1 loss. Now, Arsenal surely cannot afford to drop points in this game. But... As bad as Sheffield United have been this season, they still have some decent players and they can still make games quite competitive as as we saw last week. How uh, how much Arsenal can Arsenal Arsenal? Is that, is that the real question there? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there isn't, like, regardless of form for Arsenal, it's not even that bad a form. It was just, they were god-awful against Liverpool. Um not even a very good Liverpool team, let's be honest. Although we played really well on the day. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, I mean, uh, two wins, two draws in, in the other four games in the last five. Um, the the only question mark is is the fact it's Arsenal. And Arsenal are a great club. Like They were the best team whilst I was growing up. Um, but they are a banter club. They always have these mad results in them where... They'll lose to the to a horrendous team. Like we remember them. I, I can't remember if they lost many games to Stoke, but they had a rivalry with Stoke for some. Like I know it's because of the. It probably stemmed from the Ryan Shawcross tackle on Aaron Ramsey, but it, it it's weird. It, they are a weird team. There is something like I think United became about a banter club for a bit. Liverpool were like a few like three or four years ago. Um, Everton, they're they're Everton. Um. But I think that's what Arsenal are at the min. I, 
I will pick Arsenal, probably for better <laughs> for worse judgment. But it's just the fact that I mean, if Chris Wilder was still there, and I know he was obviously done a bad job this season because they're having a the bottom by a million miles. Um, but if Chris Wilder was still there, I'd almost kind of guess a surprise result. But the fact that Paul Heckingbottom's there, who is not really a manager, like he was one of the ones at Leeds when they had a manager, a new manager every two weeks, and I think he was in the SPL and random championship clubs in between that. I, I, ju- I just don't see it. I don't see it. Like, even if it's painful, I, I think they'll be painful enough to win 1-0 or 2-1. Um, but, I mean, what we saw last week, if Saka and um, Emil Smith-Rowe are back, that would help massively. Again, they're in um, Europa League tonight, so we might get some more answers on who's available for them. But I, 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 don't, think you, I don't think you can go into the, any game as an Arsenal player with with Aubameyang I'd probably say at all at the minute considering the, the effort level there that we saw in the last game but Aubameyang on the left wing is just pointless like it just really is pointless and I, if I was them I'd play Lacazette up front Emil Smith Rowe and Saka and Odegaard if you can and if not I know Pepe has not been very good, but I think you've got to give him opportunities to try and prove something toward his, his price tag. So stop mucking about with the likes of William and Aubameyang. You're going to have to eat them contracts because they're awful. And then the midfield is, is Partey plus one. I mean, Jack is not very good, but Tobias is probably worse somehow. And the defence is the defence. Without Tierney, it's going to be even worse. So yeah, um, and Sheffield United are just... They're just not very good. Like, they could probably physically batter Arsenal, like McBurney up front, maybe have Bruce to play off him or Moussa if he's actually fit. That'd probably be the best McBurney and Moussa. Um, but the defence is not very good and, and the midfield's not very good, with, uh, especially whilst Berg's been out. I know he wasn't exactly mint whilst he was there, but I think Berg could probably do better with Partey than any of them. Um... Yeah, I'll I'll say one nil Arsenal again. I think it'll be quite boring and a bit tedious. I'm selling the TV. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> one nil to Arsenal. Look, as bad of, as Arsenal have been this season, and the inconsistency has been there, and as spirited as some of these Sheffield United performances have been, especially in terms of just keeping the score really close. I, st- I still think Arsenal are going to have enough in this game. I'm going to I'm going to go with a two 0 Arsenal win. Um, as you said, if the likes of Saka are coming back in, which I envision, they're going to have a lot more energy in this game. They're going to want a response, and I think they get it in this game. Two 0 Arsenal win. We move on to West Brom versus Southampton. Now we were speaking earlier. West Brom, obviously, they're just a little bit. Too far back, I'm thinking. You know, they're currently on 21 points. Newcastle, who are in 17th place, are on 29 points. They've got eight points to make up. Do they make any of that ground up in this game against Southampton, who obviously had that brilliant comeback win against um, Burnley this this past weekend? It's certainly a winnable game for West Brom. I mean, Southampton are probably, are probably safe already, let's be honest, but I mean, one win or a couple draws, they're probably definitely safe then, but 36 is probably just about enough. But again, there's eight games left, they'll pick something up. Um, 
And West Brom, again, it, it's highly improbable. But they do have a lot of talent in that squad. Like, Pereira against Chelsea was amazing. Like, maybe he's playing to totally catch the eye of a Premier League team, or maybe do a Buendia where he goes down with the team and just <laughs> impresses even more. Um, uh, the lads they bought from Turkey, uh, Diagni and Yakozlu, I think it is, they, they've been good when I've seen them. Um, it's just the defence, really. Um that isn't really there. I mean, the goalkeeper's the goalkeeper. It, there's always that one relegation goalkeeper who looks better than he is because he has a million saves to make, isn't there? Like, it used to always be the Burnley ones, but then Burnley kind of became mid-table more than relegation. It kind of went went away. Um, so, yeah, I think if West Brom can limit the defensive deficiencies, which is obviously how Southampton hurt you, they'll play Ings plus... Che Adams or Walcott seemingly and the options behind that Armstrong's really good, Gineppo's can be exciting um, Redmond's kind of gone off the boil from probably, his best form was probably like the bad times if anything I like who was before Pellegrino I don't even know if he was at the club then, it might have been, it might have been Poole actually, Poole, um, that's probably where I remember Redmond being his best. I might be completely wrong with that, but Redmond's best form seems to be a few years ago from, from what I can remember. Um, I'd like to see Ben Amino get some mins. Obviously, he's a Liverpool fan. Um, I think he's got I think he's got something to add as well. Probably Armstrong, Minamino behind Ings plus one. I'd probably say that's the best way to go at the minute. Or maybe you can even play Minamino up there with Ings then. A bit more pace with a, with a Gineppo or Redmond or even Walcott, if you want to tinker it around. But it's certainly winnable for West Brom. And you know what? Doesn't matter. I'm going to back West Brom. I I, I don't know why. I'm just thinking, they're going to go on a roll. I don't think they'll stay up. But there's always that one relegation team, maybe when the pressure's off, that they just kind of improve. And why not it be West Brom? And then they can build on it next season, probably in the Championship. But I'm going to go... I'm going to go... I don't think they can defend. Let's go for a mad game. 3-2 three, three West Brom. Well, back-to-back 3-2s for Southampton. Guys calling it, that would be interesting. Look, as I said earlier, obviously West Brom were facing a Chelsea side that had 10 men. I still thought that they looked... The finishing was still impressive. The build-up play was really impressive for all of their goals. And it it, it was promising to see, you know, them gelling on an attacking standpoint. And we've seen shades of this in, in their previous games. They just haven't finished the move off itself. So maybe being so far back, the players are playing with a little bit more freedom, kind of like a, you know, Hail Mary. Um, everyone's kind of writing us off anyway, so we might as well go and and, and try and get it. Uh, so maybe that's helping them at the moment. I am leaning towards West Brom as well in this game. Maybe it's just the neutral fan in me mm. wanting the relegation battle to be more exciting. But I, I saw some promising build-up play from West Brom in the previous game. And I think they continue that in this game. I'm, I'm going 2-1 to West Brom. So we both predicted West Brom winning that one. So well done, Southampton, on the easy win. <laughs> yeah. 
We end the weekend off with Brighton versus Everton. Now, Guy, I don't know how many chances Everton want to, mm. to go ahead of Liverpool. Is this the week that they finally do it? I mean, I predicted Liverpool will win, so probably. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a tough game. I mean, I say this every time I'm talking about Premier League football. Brighton, I mean, just look at the goal difference. They've got minus five, where everyone else around them is minus 10 to well, 20 in Newcastle's case, and then West Brom and Sheffield is 30 plus. So, yeah, I think that kind of sums where it is. I mean, we mentioned the lack of goals for for Brighton is the probably the only reason they are 16th. But they have seemingly improved in that regard. I know against Man United, they, they were quite wasteful, especially in that first half, but... I mean, before that, two against she- uh, two against Southampton and three against Newcastle. Even even in the previous one, they scored against Leicester, um, and then that that was their really awful run before that. So, I, it, it it's just a problem. Your main goal threat should not be Danny Welbeck, regardless of how much better Danny Welbeck's done than people will think. It shouldn't be. It, it just shouldn't be. If you if you want to be safe in the Premier League, you have to have a striker who. Is a more regular threat than that. It just has to be that way. Like, if if I was to list the Brighton players, you'd probably say Trossard's their main threat. And that really shouldn't be the way, considering what they spent 20 odd mil on Mopai. Welbeck's probably on a decent wedge. Um, Connolly looked promising, but he's never really developed from that early excitement. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. I, I think it'll be a tough game because Everton. Should have beaten... Who the hell did they play? They should have beaten Crystal Palace because they had like a million shots. <laughs> um, but Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin were just awful in front of goal. I mean, the hardest chance felt Hammers Rodriguez and he just kind of showed why it's a surprise he's at Everton because that was a goal of top quality. Like, he was probably the only one in that squad who could score from that tight angle, considering where the goalkeeper was as well. Um, but... <sighs> If Calvert-Lewin doesn't sort his form and Richarlison's not been in the best goal-scoring form all season as well, I'm not sure where the goals come from in that team. Because, I mean, Sigurdsson, no. not Maybe in his Swansea days, yeah, but no. Hamez, again, he's not really a goal-scorer, but he has their moments in him. Um, the midfield's workman-like, really, more than anything. And... Obviously, they're a threat of set piece because Keane and Mina are massive. But yeah, I just don't really, I don't really see the threat outside of the outside of Calvert Lewin. Because as I say, Richarlison, apart from he had a really, really good spell, obviously. But as a season as a whole, he's not been that that good uh, in terms of goal scoring. Not, I, mean, I probably haven't watched Everton closely enough to the performances themselves. But yeah, if I remember correctly as well, Everton's away form's better than the home form. So I'd probably make them favourites and that. But Brighton are tough to beat. And as I say, without prolific strikers at the min, I'm kind of edging towards a draw. Mainly to annoy you. I'll say Everton (laughs) 2-1 because I'll probably be wrong and then they'll probably draw. Everton 2-1 in that game. For me, I mean, you've, you've summed this game up pretty well in terms of what we can expect from it. From my perspective, I just think Everton finally get that win that has kind of been eluding them a little bit now. I mean, that's three games in a row now without a win. And they're coming up against the perfect unlucky team in Brighton for, for me this season. 
Um, so it it it, it kind of just lines up well for for Everton to go. So I'm going to go with your two one as you you said it, but I actually legit think it's going to be two one. I, I see your reverse psychology going there, <laughs> but guy, that's going to do it for another episode of Tad Predictable. Do you have anything you want to plug, put over, or promote before we wrap up? I'll be doing the exact same as this tomorrow with Dave. <laughs> but I'll be, in your, I'll be in your chair. Definitely check that one out. Uh, that's the Two Footer podcast that goes on every single weekday. Um, you can also check out on Sundays the EPL Roundtable, where Kev DeVries sits down with panelists from respective EPL teams. They do reviewings and previewings of the things that are happening in and around the EPL. Check out EPLindex.com. There's some really good articles on there. I saw one from Jake Jackman regarding, you know, what Liverpool do with Naby Keita. Uh, you, you hinted at, you know, playing him to see what what they have there. Do they sell him? Do they, do they mm-hmm. keep him? And, and all of that stuff that goes with it. Jake also goes into detail on that. Highly recommend you guys check that one out. Also, check out our sponsors, uh, Liberty Shield. As I mentioned, use that coupon code EPLVPN and you can save 20% there. From my perspective, just check out my Twitter account at TadPredicts. Uh, you can find out about everything I'm involved in there. You can check out this Twitter page at ATadPredictable, um, which had posted that teaser on on who was going to be top of the Banker or Burnett, Burnett lead table. Um, earlier today uh, and then you can check out the lovely lady that does our guest intros she's also tying on on the league table in terms of Bank of the Burnett Jody she's at Spursy 141 our producer behind the glass Guy Drinkle thank you for coming on you can find him at Guy Drinkle on Twitter thank you so much for listening this week guys we'll see you again next week and remember Chisinga Perry Chino Shura Podcast Network. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully, it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S. based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.